We're going to start a new series this morning entitled, Necessary Losses. There are going to be a lot of things that you're going to hear about later. They're going to be tied up with this series as we begin the year together. I'm glad you're here today. And uh, Necessary Losses is kind of uh, an offshoot of what we're going to call Necessary Sins. When I use the word necessary, what I'm really trying to get at is there are some sins in our life that all of us agree are horrible. Uh, murder, rape, stealing. You, you, you make the list. We're, we're sure they're wrong, and there's no doubt. But there are other sins, other things that we do that are maybe, at least in our minds, kind of in the gray area. And, and one of those things is lying. Uh, we can justify, we can rationalize, we can paint uh, a, a pretty picture many times in relationship to lying. We have kind of a foundational verse for this series, and it speaks just a little bit uh, to lying as well as the other things we're going to talk about. And it says this, it's in Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in the everlasting, in the way of the everlasting. What the scripture is telling us here, or, or, or David is saying to God here, is God, give my heart a good look over. Check it out. And and God, tell me what needs to be there and what needs to be gone. If I can't see the truth myself, Father, show me the truth. And that's what we're going to be asking God to do over the next few weeks, to open our eyes to the truth about ourselves that we've ignored. And, And one of those things is that in many, many cases, without us even thinking about it anymore, we have become liars. Matter of fact, just a quick survey today. How many of you here have ever told a lie? Almost 100%. What a great, great showing. Uh, it happens before you know it, doesn't it? And, 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 if you tell one, then you have to tell another, and then another, and then another. And, and we have become, I, I'm afraid, so good at it that we've forgotten the reality that the truth is much more important or much better than a lie. I want you to listen to this song this morning. And, and just as you listen, I want you to think about, do I even hear the voice of of truth anymore or have I drifted so far from the truth I don't recognize it you listen
step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and he's holding out his hand but the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me I grew up far differently than most of you, but I don't ever remember my parents setting me down and and saying to me, I am going to teach you at a really early age, one, one and a half, two, three, I want to teach you how to be selfish. But uh, I remember anybody touched my toys, they were in trouble with me. And I remember if somebody had something, I wanted it, right? 
I, I knew how to be selfish, and I don't remember them setting me down and teaching me how to lie. But I know that somehow or another, naturally, I knew how. Can you remember when you were just a little child before you even knew the word lie, and, and you would get into something you shouldn't, your face might be covered with chocolate, and your parents would say, what have you been eating? And you'd say, Nothing. Can you remember getting outside and getting in the mud and the dirt and you're covered with it and your mother had told you not to go outside and you come in looking that way and she says, where have you been? And you say, in my room. You know, we all learned to lie somehow or another pretty early, didn't we? Uh, And it's almost like in some ways we're kind of proud of it. I've heard people who've talked about, you know what, I got by with that. I told this story or that story. Maybe you got picked up by a policeman or a Boone County Sheriff, and you wove a tale and you got away with it, and you told people about it. I mean, I could think of a hundred different ways where people have said to me, in reality, I have told a lie, I got by with it, and now it's a really funny story. It's almost as if we forget how God feels about lying. Here's what he says in Proverbs 12. Lying lips are an abomination to God. Doesn't say an abomination to God and a very present help in times of trouble. It just says an abomination to God. God hates lying. You believe that? God hates lying. He doesn't like it when we deceive. God hates lying. And here's what's amazing to me if you think about this. We know that, I believe deep in our hearts, we all know that when we lie, we're breaking one of the laws of God, and I, I think it just happens before we know it, and we don't really consider the consequences. It's become such a part of our makeup that we forget how strongly against lying God is. And, and here's the rest of the story. It's in John eight forty four. You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he didn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Who are we talking about here? The devil. When he speaks a lie, he's speaking his language. That's the devil. He's a liar. He is, here's what the Bible says. The devil is the father of of lies. Now I want to know, who's your daddy? (laughs) Amen? That's a good question, isn't it? Who's your daddy? Is it God, the author of truth, and lying is an abomination to him? Or is it the devil, the father of lies? Now, You know, I'd like to tell you as I stand here that lying is a foreign nature to me. But I find myself, before I even stop and think about it at times, 
not telling the exact truth or minimalizing something or maximizing something or exaggerating something or saying something to make somebody else feel better. And I think we all are guilty of that at one level or another. So I want us to kind of look at this necessary sin or what we believe to be a necessary sin and and kind of flesh it out and see how we lie as well as why we lie. Let's think about it. How do we lie? First of all, we we lie to each other, don't we? We uh, don't exactly tell the truth about ourselves to one another. We, we either want to make a situation better or make ourselves look better or, minimal, or minimalize the effect on someone else, the hurt on someone else. Uh, in Acts, uh, I'll get to that next, but let's think about how we lie to each other. I remember going on a college visit, and I went down to Samford University, where I eventually enrolled as a student, and I was walking around the campus, it was wonderful, it was beautiful, getting a tour, hearing all about all the athletics and the academics, I met the baseball coach, who I later got to play for, and, and we're walking near a girl's dorm, and, and the, the young man who was giving me the tour, I remember it like it was yesterday, said to me, one of the greatest things for me about Samford University is that there are nine females to every male enrolled here. Now, I had listened to everything he said, but I heard that. And I decided that I might like to enroll there. So I go back home. My dad said, how was the visit? How was school? Did you like it? I said, Dad, I want to go to school there. He said, why do you want to go to school there? I said, they have a beautiful campus, and they have a very good academic environment. <laughs> now, was that a lie? It wasn't a lie, was it, necessarily? But it was the truth. No. We had other motivations. And over and over and over again in all of our lives, Instead of just coming clean and being honest, we have a lot of double talk, we have a lot of deception, and a lot of lying going on, don't we? Because we don't want people to see us exactly as we are. We lie to each other. We lie to God, don't we? Now, I want you to stop just for a second, and I want you to focus on that sentence, we lie to God. Because isn't there a hint, if not a whole bunch, of absurdity there? How ridiculous it is to lie to the person who knows the thoughts in our minds, who knows our motivations, who knows our manipulations. He knows a lie before it erupts from our lips. In Acts chapter 4, story of Ananias and Sapphira. They, they were having some kind of fundraising event at the church, some type of capital campaign. And Ananias and Sapphira are doing what seems to be a good thing. They had sold some land and brought the money into the church. Is that a good thing? Shake your head just like this. It's a good thing. 
So they bring their money in, they come to the altar. When, when you're at the altar, who are you talking to, by the way? Right? I hope so. You might come down here and give me a talking to. But I hope you're talking to God. And here's what they, they said to the church, and in essence to God, we sold the land and we have brought all the money into God's house. Now, where was the lie there? The word all. They'd brought some of it, but they wanted to appear to the church to be more giving and sacrificial than they really were. And they wanted to appear to God, which is what? Absurdity, to be more giving and sacrificial than they really were. Now, what did God do? Remember what the Bible says God did? He struck them dead right at the altar. Why? Because God hates lying. And I would say to you, suggest to you this morning, that every time we put on a mask or a false face, and every time we come into this place and try to pretend to others to be more religious than we really are, more righteous than we really are, holier than we really are, closer to God than we really are, when we pretend to be praying but we're not, when we pretend to be praising but we're not, when we pretend to be worshiping but we're not, we're lying not only to each other but in reality to God. Amen? Because this is serious business here. When, when, when we are artificial, when we're less than genuine, when we have the mask on, when we're pretending to be in love with God, grateful to God, and that's not what's in our heart at all, we're lying to God. We're lying to God. And it is an abomination to him. If you look at the word in the Greek, it speaks to God being disgusted, to God having you know, just his, his, his stomach churning, desiring to vomit because we're so false and fake. We not only lie to each other, we lie to God. We also lie to ourselves, don't we? We do it in a thousand different ways. We're so good at convincing ourselves that we're better than we might really be, that we're not as guilty as we really are, that our blemishes are few, and that our uh, uh, good traits are plentiful. We do it every day, don't we? Let's just look at it in the physical sense. Let's say you're a lady, and you walk in, and you look at the mirror. You fix this, and you fix that, you fix this. I mean, whatever needs to be fixed, right? And you say to yourself, good to go. And you, that may take you a half hour, an hour. I've known ladies that took up to two hours. But you convince yourself you're good to go. Guys are a lot worse or a lot better, however you want to look at it. We go in, we look at the mirror. I always stand straight on looking in the mirror because I look a little heavier this way. And I will, you know, kind of 
pull the hairs out of my ear and, and flip, flip this back here and that back there and pull the gray out of my eyebrows, the only black hair I still have. It's wonderful. Sniff my shirt, whatever I need to do, and then I do this. And almost inevitably, when I get out in public, someone will say, man, you need to pull that over here or that down there, or you need to adjust that, or that shirt doesn't match those pants, or man, I can smell your feet through your shoes or something. You know, we, we lie to ourselves about our physical appearance, don't we, at times? Yeah. It just happens. We lie to ourselves about the realities of our life. We lie to ourselves about our relationships. We lie to ourselves about our spirituality. What are some of the things we say that are complete lies? Somebody meets you in the hallway here at church and they say, how are you? First of all, they're hoping you're going to lie to them and say, fine, right? They're, they're, they're hoping you're going to lie to them and say, it's all good. Because when you meet someone and you say, how are you? And 30 minutes later, you feel as bad as they did or they do. You know? But the truth of the matter is most of the time we mask how we really are and we say something like, I don't have a problem. Matter of fact, more often than not, people who have really deep-seated issues and problems will not acknowledge them until some terrible consequence occurs and they spend all of their energy and effort hiding that problem up until the crisis strikes. And over and over again, we say to one another and we say to God and we say to ourselves, I don't have a problem. I don't need to get this fixed or that fixed. I don't need to stop this or stop that. It doesn't have control of me. I have control of it. I don't have a problem. And there are some of you this morning sitting here on this pew who are dealing with something that's way bigger than you that is destructive and will eventually rob you of your joy and ruin your life. And your public face is this. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. And it's a lie. You know it's a lie. Sometimes we say, you know what, I might have a problem, and I might have this issue in my life, but it's just about me. It's not affecting anyone else. I'm not hurting anyone but me. How many times have you actually seen people who loved you weep for you, cry over you, how many times have, have in relationships have, have we destroyed folks who cared for us? And we continue to say, maybe I do have a problem, but what I'm doing, the, the choices I'm making, the steps I'm taking, the path I'm following is not hurting anyone else. Fact of the matter is, if we're the kind of church that we need to be, and I hope that we are, when any one of us is stumbling, when any one of us is troubled, is broken, when any one of us is dealing with something bigger than themselves, I hope that the effect 
is deep concern and woundedness in this congregation. You see, the choices we make have a deep effect on other people. And the bigger your sphere of influence, the more powerful that effect. Here's another thing we say. I can quit anytime I want. Now, that's a lie, isn't it? If I could quit anytime I wanted, I wouldn't be fat. That wasn't that funny. Uh, if you could quit any time you wanted, you wouldn't be fill in the blank. You see, I think in all of our lives, there's an area of weakness, isn't there? And that Satan hammers at that weakness. He uses his best stuff in relationship to that weakness. I don't know what it is in your life, but I guarantee that you know, don't you? You know if you stumble, if you fall, if, if there's an addiction or an attraction or, or a burden. You know what that is. And, and, and you've tried maybe a thousand times to walk down a different path, to go a different direction. You've tried to get past it. You've tried to lay it and leave it behind, lay it down and leave it behind you. But the reality is, Satan knows where to attack and what ammunition to use. And you keep going back and, and getting in that same dark place. And you start to lie to yourself and say, I can quit any time I want to. What about this? I'm a good person, so I'm sure I'm going to heaven. Let me look around here for just a second. I believe that there's no more than three or four bad people here. <laughs> Let me look again. I believe this room is full of good people, don't you? Amen? I mean, surely, if, if you're ever going to amen in church, ever, that was the place, right? I, I believe this room is full of, of decent, good people. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there are a lot of good people, people like you and me, who have deceived ourselves into believing that we're good enough to go to heaven. You know that? There, there are a lot of people who, who, who've bought into that lie, I believe, from Satan, that if you just do some good things, if you just kind of are a good citizen and maybe you come to church some and you have a tacit kind of faith or belief in Jesus, that you're going to make it to heaven. The reality is, and here's the truth as opposed to the lie, there's no one good enough to make it to heaven. No one. No one's good enough. We can't perform, behave, negotiate our way into heaven. The only way to make it to heaven, the Bible's pretty clear, is through Jesus Christ. 
If you don't know Jesus as Savior, you won't be in heaven. Abigail called me last night, and she, she doesn't mind to call you at 11, 11.30 at night, right? And she said, I've got a friend who has a friend that thinks she's going to go to heaven, but I don't believe she is, and her friend wants to talk this and about. And, and it was on her heart at that hour of the night that someone was believing they were good enough without Jesus to go to heaven. And I wonder how long it's been since you've cared that much about the fact that you might not be headed to heaven or that someone you cared about wasn't. You see, we have allowed Satan to keep us from being passionate about real, genuine salvation. And we've settled for the religious answer which says, if you'll just be good or good enough, that'll get you there. And a lot of us have lied to ourselves about the truth of what happens in our heart, about the truth of our salvation. We need to be sure that disappointment won't happen on that day when Jesus comes back or on that day when we go to meet him. So we lie to ourselves. We lie to one another. We lie to God. We lie to ourselves in in, in a million different ways. And and the question, why, why do we do it, it, I guess the answer is probably different for all of us. We, we have our reasons. Sometimes I, I think we've become expert at lying because we want to protect other people's feelings. You know, that seems justifiable and reasonable. We don't want people to be hurt. We don't want people to uh, uh, suffer because of our choices. We, we don't want our parents to be disappointed. We don't want our preacher to be disappointed. We don't want our Sunday school folks to be disappointed, or small group folks. We, we protect other people's feelings. Maybe you just want to look better. Maybe you want to appear to be bulletproof, appear to be sinproof, appear to be more in love with God than you really are. Maybe you want to impress other people. How many times have we exaggerated a story or made ourselves out to be the hero in a story, uh, made larger some accomplishment because we wanted people to see us as someone with impressive credentials? I talked to a guy the other day who's an employer and hires people. And he told me that 90% of the resumes he receives have a lie or two on them, or 20 on them. We want to impress others. We want to look better. Maybe it's a very simple, simple reason. Maybe we just don't like the truth. Maybe the truth is too difficult to tell or too hard to swallow. Maybe it's, it's so, at least in our minds, so awful and disgusting that we can't be honest. Maybe if you are honest this morning, you don't like your life at all. When you actually sit down and have a, a truthful, 
honest evaluation of your life, you reach the conclusion that this is not who God made me to be. This is not who I ever intended to be. I never wanted to to make these choices, to deal with these problems, to become so dishonest and have such a lack of integrity. You don't like your life at all. And so you invent a person who's not you at all. Maybe your lies are just better than the truth. Maybe the fantasy version of you is better than the real one. Your lies are better than the truth. You see what happens, I believe, in so many of our lives is that we lie so easily, so habitually, that we start to believe the lies. We start to get ourselves backed into a corner, and and as we back ourselves further and further into that corner, we become chained to those lies, and, and we can't stop the lies because we've gone too far. Satan has us exactly where he wants us, shackled to something that isn't real, trapped in the pit of our own lies. I think that's why Jesus said one day, you will know the truth. Who's the truth? God himself. You will know the truth. You will know of his grace and his mercy and his path to salvation. You will know the truth and the truth will save you. You know, I think you may be here this morning because you need to be set free. I think God has brought you to this place so you can hear that one simple truth. It doesn't have to be this way anymore. You don't have to drown in your lies. You don't have to wallow in that pit of disappointment, despair, and discouragement. The truth will set you free. Here's the interesting thing. Do you understand that what we try to cover up the most, that if we just give it to God, He would cover it with His blood, with His mercy. What we try to cover up the most God wants to forgive us up to. He wants to set us free. And what we uncover, what we repent of, what we lay at his feet, he covers it. There's nothing you've lied about. There's no web that you've spun, no story you've told that God doesn't already know about and stands ready to forgive you. I don't want you to live 2015 in the midst of a lie. I want you to see the truth. I want you to believe in what God can do to change you, what Jesus can do to save you. I want you to start this year in a brand new way. 
I want you to hear the voice of truth and I want you to follow it. The truth, say it with me, the truth shall set you free. You believe that? Nod your heads. The truth will set you free. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. I'm going to invite you to this altar. It's a place of truth, a place of change. I want to invite you to come share in communion and say, God, refresh my spirit. God, forgive me. If you're here today and you've never believed the truth that Jesus is the only way to salvation, if you're not sure you're headed to heaven, if Satan has you right where he wants you, you come and trust him. Let's do something different. Let's believe the truth and live in it right now as we say.